Hey guys, this is Tyler Padgett. I'm the lead pastor of the Courageous Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. And my hope is that this podcast encourages you, that it builds your faith, and that it pushes you to make a difference. You can join us in person on the weekends, Sundays at 9.30 and 11, at any one of our locations across the Ozarks. Check out our social media pages to find a campus near you. I believe you're listening today for a reason. Let's do this. Turn up the volume and let's go. Last week, Pastor Tyler talked about how to say tough stuff. All right. And so this week, I am closing up our series on In Real Life. And this week, I'm talking about how to have thick skin. Okay. So you might holler back at me a lot or you may not. Either way, I've wrestled with the word. I believe that it will impact your life today. And I believe that it can change you. All right. And so let's hop into into the word today. So I don't know if you've heard, but Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg are getting in a cage match. Y'all heard about this? Okay, so Elon and Mark are getting into a cage match because of some kind of he said, he said, since there's two of them, uh, conflict that was going out on Twitter. All right, and so supposedly these two billionaires all right, can't get along. They have opposing business ventures, and Mark Zuckerberg is now creating his own rival to Twitter, okay, that's going to be linked with Instagram. And so if you don't know the story, Elon Musk owns Twitter. And so this is, this is an issue for these two billionaires. And so uh, they were popping off on Twitter, and they found themselves putting their money where their mouth is because somebody said, let's hop in a cage, and the other one said, let's go. So now these two billionaires are hopping into a cage match because one of them got offended because somebody else was coming at them. And I asked myself as I was preparing this message, I was like, is this how you really have thick skin? Is this because whether we like it or not, thick skin is developed as a product of rejection. And I would imagine to get the type of success that they got, they had to experience some rejection along the way. It's inevitable. All right, these are smart guys, probably nerds, probably rejected by girls, <laughs> probably rejected by investors, probably rejected with business ideas and business ventures. So they, most of our decisions are actually the product of how we have responded to rejection over time. And so as I'm observing from the sidelines, these two getting into it, I'm like, is this thick skin? Is this what it looks like to live out a life with thick skin? Or is there some imposter syndrome happening here? Is this, is this really, at the end of the day, some type of identity insecurity that has put these two in this position to have to show other people what they're really worth. Because at the end of the day, like I said, developing thick skin for us is a product of rejection. And Twitter is the rejection capital of the world. And so if you have Twitter, I don't. I just stay up on stuff. All right? If, if you have Twitter, you have a front row seat to how people tend to deal with rejection and tension and conflict and all of this stuff. And the problem with that is social media is not the best glass house to observe healthy human behaviors. Okay? 
But my question then goes to then what is? Because as much as I love the word of God and I absolutely believe in the word of God and it is good for teaching and correction and all of that, there are not a whole lot of healthy human behaviors even in the, in the Bible if you know some of the stories of these people. And, and so where, where, where do we look to it? Because what we see playing out in real life and on social is not positive coping behaviors to rejection. What we see is a set of behaviors that are showing us how we buck back against the human experience of not being approved. And notice I did not say the occurrence of rejection because rejection is a human experience that follows you the trajectory of your life. Because rejection is personal. It's personal because when you reject me or I get the feeling of rejection, it's personal because I begin to ask myself, are you rejecting me or are you rejecting my character? Rejection is personal because it feels like you are judging my motives. And it hits different. And rejection becomes the epitaph that is written on the tomb of unacceptance in our life. Now, I've never been drafted first on any kind of team sport. Okay, I don't know if that surprises any of you. But when you're in fourth grade and you're four feet and you're 140 pounds, you're probably not running the bases the fastest. But even with that, I remember being at the sports banquet getting the trophy for um, the highest GPA on the team. So I walk away with the biggest trophy. My cousin is MVP for being the catcher. I got the cleanest uniform on the team. <laughs> but somehow we get home and we're sitting in the living room and I remember holding my trophy him being envious of mine, but me holding mine and still not feeling like I was enough. Because how you live your life today is a product of how you have dealt with rejection and who you will be next year this time is also a product of how you deal with rejection. Because just because we deal with Rejection does not mean that it stops. Just because we've dealt with it and worked through it, it doesn't mean I've checked off the box and I will not experience this again. And so rejection goes on to create patterns in our life. We develop ruts in our life based on the experience of rejection. And maybe some of us live our lives like Mark and Elon and our lives really when we step back are these series of events that play out because of rebellion. We find ourselves facing the, the experience of heartbreak and um, a lack of success, a failed job, a relationship that didn't go well. And what we have responded to that is we rebel from everything. 
I've come to understand that loneliness is often a product of rejection. Because you end up in this pattern of not letting people close into your heart because of the way that somebody is treating you. And so this, this coping mechanism of self-preservation has somehow developed into this thing where now you have up walls and we don't allow people into the vulnerable places into our life. But the problem is God always uses people and experiences to grow us. And so if I wall off myself because of rejection, now I have stunted my growth in life. Because I want to protect myself of how it feels when people don't like me. And so in real life, we walk around looking like we have it together. But my social is fake. My success is fake. My character is fake. My friends are fake. And I have a problem looking in the mirror every day because at the end of the day, I know that I have become fake. And one of the things that we have decided as a church is that we are relationally intense. And what that means is that we choose to engage in relationships with God and with people. And we choose to engage in authentic relationships because we believe authenticity with God and each other is the best way for a spiritual family at the end of the day to be healthy and whole. And so we believe in the separation of church and fake. But for many of us, when we get rejected, we often want to turn to the voice that's going to echo the approval of how we feel. And so then we end up in circles where people who people affirm our negative behavior. Now, I'm not saying you can't go and just let it out because psychologists would say that that's healthy. Like, but psychologists would also say like limit it to 10 minutes <laughs> and then move on. Okay, but, but we like to, we, we get in this thing uh, because we like, we like the approval. We like feeling, we like for people to empathize with what we're going through. And so we get in these, in these places where people approve us and they just echo us. And they're like, yeah, that's not fair. You're right. That's not fair. You deserve better. And, oh, it takes everything in me to stay in that empathetic place. When we start spouting off, it's not fair. And my, uh, my nine-year-old does it. Y'all pray for me. <laughs> because when people, when we start off with this, it's not fair thing. What part is not fair? Because I would argue that the entire human experience of Jesus coming down and living on this earth and dying for my sins, that's not fair. Come on, yeah. Come on. That's not fair at the end of the day. Jesus was born as an infant, and just because of who he was, Herod was trying to kill him. He had done nothing yet. That's not fair. Jesus was rejected in the place that he grew up in, trying to help people out. 
that's not fair. In Mark, it goes on to read like this. Mark chapter 6, it says, Jesus left that part of the country and he returned with his disciples to Nazareth, Mark 6, which was his hometown. Pick up at verse 2, it says, The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. They asked Jesus, they said, where did you get all this wisdom and the, and the power to perform such miracles? And then somebody from the sidelines scoffed back and said, it's just a carpenter, son of Mary, brother James, Joseph, Judas, Simon. They were, they were defining him based on the people he was in proximity with. People would define you based on the people you're in proximity with, and they don't always see you for the value that you really have. Say he's the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon. His sisters, they live right here. And they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Now, I want to put a point in that right there. Because as I was studying, I, I looked past it and I came back to it. And it says that they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. And so they rejected him. Rejection in your life often boomerangs back to you in response to somebody else's offense of you. You are not responsible for how somebody else responds to you. You are responsible for your actions that led up to that. But their response, if they choose to reject you, if they choose to accept you, None of that is your responsibility. Jesus was not responsible for the fact that they decided to reject him and talk about him and associate him with people who were not like him. And so how does Jesus act in this? Verse 4, Jesus told them, you know what? A prophet is honored everywhere except in his own town and among his relatives and among his family. And then it says, because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Did you notice it did not say that Jesus ran? He couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And so, so this, 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 this situation goes on to show us the pattern of how Jesus continues to respond to rejection because his entire life was about developing the thick skin that would allow him to endure on the cross. And so this sets off a pattern that shows us how Jesus deals with rejection. Jesus removes himself where he was not wanted when people did not have the maturity to grow up. When people around him did not have the maturity to grow up, he knew that was the time when he needed to leave. Because it did not say he left. It said he stayed there after they rejected him. And he tried to go ahead and do good works, but he'd only do a few. And he was amazed at how stubborn these people were. But he stuck around for the ones that were ready to grow up. You got to hear me. 
And I love you when I say this, but you got to stop bailing on people in your life who are trying to help you grow up because you don't like the growing pains. We don't bail on people that are trying to get us to grow up in life because we don't like the way it feels when we have to stretch and grow. That's not how we develop thick skin, church. We develop thick skin by receiving the affirmation of the truth that may be in what they're trying to tell us. You begin to develop thick skin when you are able to identify when rejection comes, who is attached to you and who is assigned to you. The people that are attached to you, you have to have the wisdom to let them go. The people who are assigned to you are committed to growth. And whether we like that process or not, that is God's training ground for helping us to develop into everything that he wants us to be as his children. We have got to stop trying to make our enemies our friends. They were for a different season of your life. They were attached. Let them go. When your enemies leave you with an empty seat, turn it into an open seat. Don't close it off. Don't close yourself off to people again just because they left you and they rejected you. You look at that empty seat and you turn it to an open seat. Let your enemies be your audience. Let them see how you grow up. Let them see how you can mature. Let them see what God is really doing in your life. Turn that empty seat into an open seat and let somebody else back into your life so God can continue to grow you. Because rejection in my life can give me patterns that, that empower me or patterns that prevent me. Rejection can empower us to rise up to the next level. Or it can prevent me from moving forward into the things that God would have for me. I'm, I'm going to tell you, see, rejection will cause you to miss the big asks in life. Because if you're ever going to do anything big, you got to take big risks. You got to make big asks. You got to step into big things. And if I'm worried about how they're going to think about me, if I'm not successful in what I try, I'll never step into the thing that God wants me to have in life. And so when rejection comes, my thick skin says, am I going to let this empower me? Am I going to let this prevent me from moving forward for what God would have for me? I was reading, actually, it was a sponsored ad. <laughs> All right. It was a Wall Street Journal ad that I saw this week um, talking about the workplace and workplace behaviors. And so uh, you may be familiar back right after the pandemic, lots of employees were going through something called a quiet quit, if you're familiar with it. So it's the concept that in response 
to I don't like this, this isn't fair, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to keep showing up and not do what I'm supposed to do. Or in response to the fact that I feel like I deserve more, that I should have more, that instead of growing up and going to talk about it, I'm just actually not even going to show up. I'm not going to call in. I'm not going to give it two weeks. I'm just out. This is a thing that we have to deal with. But as time goes on, we're no longer just dealing with a quiet quit. Now employers are dealing with what they call a leave loud. Now we've gotten some, some uh in us. <laughs> and employers are having to deal with a leave loud. I'm going to leave and I'm going to tell you all the reasons why I'm leaving. And I'm going to tell you why I don't like it. And I'm going to tell you why it's not fair. And I'm going to be loud about it because this is my way and I'm going to do me. And it's all about a me, 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 me at the end of the day. Hey, let me give you a character study on a guy named Paul in the Bible. <laughs> Paul, if you don't know about Paul, Paul was a church planter. He's responsible for a lot of the stuff that we read in the New Testament. Over the duration of 10 years, Paul took three mission trips to set up churches all around Asia. Paul labored for the word. Paul burdened for the word. He put his heart into it. He would go and set up a church and then he would get on his ship and go somewhere else and he would be concerned about their well-being. And there's a section in scripture where Paul was talking to the Corinthian church because he had been there. He had labored with them, set up. It was several years afterwards. What had happened is these folks in this church had decided they were no longer going to hold teaching, hold the teachings of the truth in a closed hand, and there was new charismatic communicators and influencers that came along who they decided they were going to give their attention to. And so Paul writes them a letter. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, it goes like this. He says, you know what? Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? You know what? I know I sound like a madman right now, but I've served him more than that. I've worked harder. I've been put in prison more often. I've been whipped times without number and faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrifted at sea, I've traveled on many long journeys. I've faced the danger from rivers and robbers. I've faced danger from my own people, the Jews as well as the Gentiles. I've faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, on the seas, and I've faced danger from men who claim to be believers in about this life, but they are not. He said, I've worked long, endured many sleepless nights. I've been hungry. I've been thirsty. I've gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothes to even keep me warm. And on top of this, I got the daily burden of concerning for all of these churches. But then he goes in verse 29, he said, but who is weak without me feeling their weakness? Who is led astray and I don't burn with anger? 
if I must boast, I would rather boast about the things that show how weak I am. God the Father, our Lord Jesus, who is worthy of eternal praise, he knows I'm not lying. Listen, when Paul went through it and was rejected, he did not quietly quit. And while this sounds like leaving loud, he is not leaving loud. He is letting us know what it sounds like to persevere through rejection. When you persevere through rejection, your purpose comes alive. Paul did not allow leave. At the end of it, he said, listen, let me remind you, I've been hurt, but I'm still here. I've been hurt and I'm still here. Why am I still here? Because of how I honor Christ. So before you run away from rejection, let me ask you this. Is what they offended you over worth suffering for? We're not teaching the kingdom people the principle of suffering anymore. We feel tension and we run. We feel tension and we quit. We feel tension and we back out. But Paul is saying, I went through all of this and I'm still here. Because of suffering of Christ. He said, I've suffered for what I believe in. I've been through it for what I'm convicted over. He said, I've been through it. Not just through my afflictions, but I know why I'm afflicted. See, the kingdom response to rejection is perseverance. When Jesus was rejected, he had every bit of power to come down off the cross. The kingdom principle to rejection is perseverance. He had all the power that he could have to come down off the cross. With every whip that they whipped him with, he had the power to cow down angels and fight on his behalf. In every town he went to, when the religious people didn't like him, and he would have a conversation, and their idea was to go and try to stone him, he did not retaliate. He did not run. If they were ready to grow up, he showed up. Because the kingdom response to rejection is perseverance. You want thick skin? Persevere for the cause of Christ, church. <laughs> because when perseverance comes into your life, perseverance says, they said, they said, they said, they said. Rejection says, they said, they said. Perseverance said, God said. Resolve that. When you're dealing with rejection, and they said this, and they said that, and they said this. How do you get over? You remind yourself what God said. You remind yourself what God said about you. You remind yourself the suffering that you have done personally for Christ. You remind yourself of what you have been through. Because they don't know that part. They don't know that part. And actually, they're not going to stick around and listen to that part. I can imagine if I was in the Corinthian church and they started reading me Paul's letter about what he'd been through, I would check out. 
Because we don't want to hear that. People don't really care. And that stings until you realize that you're not doing this for the applause and the voices of people. We're doing it to give honor to Christ. And I want you to understand that perseverance does not look like tolerance. Okay? Jesus didn't tolerate what was not right. Paul didn't tolerate the things that were not okay. Okay, so don't feel like what I'm telling you is that you got to go around tolerating everything that comes your way. Like if you go around with that idea that I just got to tolerate, you'll end up apathetic. You will end up bitter. You will end up callous. You end up a pessimist. And that's not what it's all about. And so it just does not look like tolerance. It looks like honor. It looks like honor. We honor up. We honor down. We honor. We honor all around. As Paul was at the end of his ministry, he was writing more letters, wrote a letter to a guy named Timothy, right, who goes on to be a church leader. And he writes and he tells Timothy, Paul is at the end, he is locked up in jail and he's writing to Timothy. He's like, you know what? Demas walked out on me. Crescens walked out on me. Titus is gone. But listen to what he says about his friend Alexander. He said, Alexander, the coppersmith, he did me much harm. But Paul said, I didn't retaliate. The Lord will judge him for what he's done to me. He goes on to say, you know, the first time they brought me before the the judge, nobody came with me. Everybody abandoned me. But you know what? May it not be counted against them. Because he had persevered for his belief. See, see, perseverance in the face of rejection gives you deep skin that has an unwavering awareness of who God is and what he has called me to do. God has called all of us to do something. And I want to speak real boldly into this lie that I keep sensing around the church that you feel like that you are not called to do something because you view preaching and teaching as the pinnacle of spirituality. Preaching and teaching is not the pinnacle of spirituality. It is a spiritual gift. Just because you may not have that gift does not mean that God has not called you to something significant in your life. Do not, church, let the enemy confuse you into thinking that there's no purpose for your life because you may not have the gift to to preach and teach the word of God. That is not what it's about at the end of the day. Perseverance says, I have suffered from what I've been through, but I'm not running. Perseverance says, you can reject me and you can cut me with the thickest dagger that you have, but my skin is so thick, I treat it like a paper cut. It hurts like hell, but I'll get over it hurts like hell but I'm not bleeding out over it and and paper cuts are weird because you'll think that they're healed and then you'll get into something and that thing will burn like you wouldn't even know (laughs) but you throw a little super glue little paper you know a little band-aid something on that you know what you do you keep going Perseverance causes you to get, thing, get over things a little bit quicker than you used to. 
antidote to rejection is you having an unresolving, unwavering understanding of your identity that is rooted in Christ. Because in its most basic form, rejection is an attack on your identity. It's an attack on your self-worth. It's the way that the enemy tries to keep you from doing anything positive in the world. It's to just get you feeling some kind of way about some kind of people. And I'm out of time. But I'm going to close you with this. I want you to think on the question, not will you let rejection define you, but how will you let rejection define you? Will you turn inward or will you turn outward? Because if you make the decision to turn inward, what will happen is you will begin to develop calluses on your heart and you will wonder why you can come into life-giving environments and never have your life changed. It's because the word of God cannot fall and take root on something that is not soft. But if you turn that rejection outward, it opens up yourself to the help of the Holy Spirit, to the help of Jesus. And I think over time, some of us have misperceived the protection of Christ and called it rejection. There's been experiences in your life that you have called rejection but it was actually the protection of God trying to keep you from things that were not, that the people who weren't for you, things that weren't going to make you better. And, and the enemy has manipulated us into thinking that Christ has rejected us. No, he was protecting you. Hey, thanks so much for listening today. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can like and subscribe. You can even share this on your social media. If you do, tag us at The Courageous Church and share what God is doing in your life. Always remember, God's calling you to be strong and very courageous in all that you do. I hope to see you soon. God bless.